You're listening to the Informal Bible Study, a casual and applicational look at the Scriptures. I'm John Stonge, and it's great to have you with us today. In just a few moments, we're going to be looking at John chapter 9, verses 1 to 7, and then we'll jump down to verses 35 through 41, and we'll be talking about the fact that through faith in Jesus Christ, we now see things differently. But before we take a look at that, just a couple quick things I wanted to share with you. As I mentioned last week, I just released my 365-day devotional for this coming year. It's called Desire Jesus, and I've been releasing one-month versions of this throughout the course of this year, and so maybe you were able to pick up some of the digital editions of that as we made those available at DesireJesus.com. But the full 365-day, one-year edition was just released about 10 days ago as I sit here and record this. And it's now available on Amazon in either Kindle edition or paperback edition. And I've been receiving a lot of very positive feedback from listeners of this podcast related to the devotional. So I've been very grateful for that. Last week, I made an offer to you that if you took the time to purchase the Kindle edition off of Amazon and left a review for it on Amazon's website, that if you sent me an email to bookreviews at johnstonge.com, I'll include a link to this, by the way, in this podcast description. But if you send an email to me after doing that. So you pick up the Kindle edition. After you have a chance to read it, you leave a review and then follow that up by sending me an email to let me know you did that and include your mailing address in that email. I'll be happy to send you a free, at my expense, paperback copy to your address. I just took a whole stack of those to uh, the post office just the other day and uh, it was entertaining to Uh, see just how long I was holding up the line. It was fun to be able to send these out to everybody. I was excited to see the printed edition as I received some copies here at my home. And uh, after spending a whole year working on this, it's certainly nice to be able to get this into the hands of as many people as possible. But I was mailing those out, sending those out. Some of you were specific in saying that you wanted your copy signed, so I made sure to sign them. Thank you for taking the time to encourage me with that. But again, during the course of this week, if you take the time to download the Kindle edition from Amazon.com, you leave a review, and then you send an email to me at bookreviews at johnstonge.com and include your mailing address, I'll be happy to send you a signed paperback copy in the mail, and I won't take a long time to get it to you. I'll get it to you probably. You'll probably have it within a few days of me receiving that email because I've been making very regular trips now to the post office to get these things out into the hands of those who have asked for a copy specifically from me. If you order it from Amazon, they'll get it to you really quickly as well. But if you want the free one as a thank you for purchasing the Kindle edition, if you want the free paperback, that is, I'll be happy to sign it, send it off to you, and... um, Just really grateful for your help. I was very edified this week when I was reading through the reviews that some of you left. As I'm recording this right now, there's a nice collection of some very edifying reviews on Amazon's website. So thank you again for doing that. But again, it's the Desire Jesus One Year Devotional. Let me know if you pick up a Kindle copy and leave a review, because I'll be happy to send you a signed paperback copy as my way of expressing appreciation and thanks for your help as I seek to just reach as many people as I can with the good news of Christ's gospel in devotional format. Now, as I mentioned just a few moments ago, today we're looking at John chapter 9, and we're looking at two different sections from John chapter 9, basically the beginning and the ending of the story that's contained in that chapter. But it talks about the fact that Christ enables us 
to see things differently. So if you have a Bible handy, open up with me to John chapter 9, and I'm going to begin reading with verse 1 down to verse 7, and then we're going to jump all the way to verse 35 down to verse 41. But this is what it says. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Then we jump to verse 35 and it says, Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, We see, your guilt remains. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we're grateful for the opportunity to be able to look at this portion of Scripture together today. We thank you for the fact that you grant us a new perspective and a new way of seeing all sorts of things, whether it be our life or our circumstances or whatever it may be. As we trust in you, you give us new sight, new eyes, a new perspective, a new worldview. So we're grateful, Lord, that you do that for us, and we pray that by your grace that you would enable us to walk with you faithfully today. We commit ourselves to you now, Lord, and we pray that you teach us your word. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Everyone walking on this planet sees their life from a particular lens. We all have a worldview that influences how we interpret our circumstances and surroundings. Our worldview impacts the way we value other people. Our worldview also influences the way we choose to make use of the time that we've been blessed with. Now, at one time in our lives, we lived in ignorance. We were ignorant of some of the deepest realities that we're surrounded with all the time. It's likely that we lived in ignorance to who we were really created to be. We lived in ignorance about the purpose of our experiences. We lived in ignorance toward the suffering of others. In general, we lived in ignorance to the bigger picture of God's divine plan. But our gracious Lord is kind enough to offer us the privilege to begin to see things in a new light. Through faith in Jesus Christ, our eyes are open to things that we didn't have the capacity to gain a full understanding of through natural means. Jesus enables us to see things differently. And as he does so, the manner in which we choose to live our lives can't help but be impacted as well. Well, what does Christ enable us to see differently, and what difference does that make? 
Well, when you look at the first few verses of John chapter 9, one of the things that we learn is that Jesus has a purpose for your greatest sources of discomfort and trouble. Look at what it says in verses 1 through 3. It says this, As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Now, if we're honest, every single one of us most likely has some aspect or feature of our body that we would change if we could. None of us is perfect. We each have limits. We each have differences. And we all have a few scars that probably come with some very interesting stories. Likewise, when a child is born, what's the first thing that the doctors and the nurses do? They examine the child to determine if he or she displays any traits or features that might seem out of the norm. Well, the man referenced in this passage was born blind. From infancy, it became clear that he didn't have the capacity for natural vision. Now, I'm grateful that our culture has been developing greater empathy toward those with with certain impairments, but this world remains a cruel place. And in the context and culture that this man was growing up in, there weren't very many options for the blind. Most often, their only option was to beg in the marketplace and depend on the compassion of strangers to meet their needs. Well, as Jesus and his disciples were passing by this man, the disciples asked Jesus a question of curiosity. They wanted to know if this man had sinned against God or if his parents had. It was their understanding, just as it's the common belief of many people today, that our sources of discomfort and trouble are tied directly to God punishing us because of some action or moral failure in our lives. But Jesus made it clear that this man's condition was not a form of punishment related to something sinful that he or his parents had done. The truth is that at just the right time, God wanted to do something miraculous in the life of this man that would have great eternal benefit for him and for all who would take to heart the lessons of the miracle that Jesus was about to perform. This man's trouble and discomfort were certainly unpleasant in the short term, but beneficial in the long term. Have you ever considered the same to be true in your own life? One of the reasons many of us enjoy the dawning of a new calendar year is because, psychologically speaking, it grants us a fresh start. We can mentally draw a line with the trials of the previous year and attempt to begin the new year with a clean slate. I can personally testify that that's something I enjoy doing each January, but in the midst of that, Let's also take a moment to recognize that there isn't a single trial we will experience or trouble we will endure that Christ will waste. Everything that broke your heart, everything that caused you pain, everything that kept you up at night during the past year can be used by Him as the setup to something beneficial He wants to teach you or something miraculous He wants to show you. He also uses our moments of discomfort to foster holiness in our lives and to increase the nature of our reliance on Him. Something else we learn in this passage as we begin to see things in a new way is that Christ has called us to make the best use of today, because today is almost over. 
Look at what Jesus said in verses 4 and 5. He said this, We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When the Lord blessed my wife and I with four children that are close together in age, we always wondered what it was going to be like when they were all teenagers at the same time. Our youngest just turned 12, so we're less than one year away from that reality. And with our oldest in college now, we're also becoming highly aware of just how rapidly the day will come when they will be out and on their own. The time is literally flying by. And if we're honest, that's the nature of life on this earth. Time moves quickly, and we don't get back the time that's wasted. Jesus encouraged his disciples to make the best use of the time that they had been given. He spoke of using our life on this earth to do the work that God has called and empowered us to do, because there isn't much time left. Jesus spoke of the time of his earthly ministry as being like the day. He described himself as the light of the world, but he warned that the night was coming. While he would remain with his followers in spirit, he would be ascending back to heaven in the near future and would no longer be visible to them like he was then. In the meantime, however, he encouraged them to be faithful to their calling today because it was almost over. I like what Scripture tells us about time. It tells us a variety of things, but in Psalm 90, verse 12, it says this, So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Ephesians 5, verse 16 says it this way, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Romans 13, 11 says this, besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. I believe that the Lord wants us to trust him with all aspects of our lives while being very intentional about how we spend our days. Many people just sit around and they let life happen to them in a very reactive instead of a proactive manner. And I'm not a big fan of that for many reasons, one of which is I don't typically like the outcome it produces. I always like to ask myself questions like, in 20 years, what will I wish I did today? And in eternity, how will I wish I used my life? Forbes recently shared an article titled, The 25 Biggest Regrets in Life. And in it, the contributor, Eric Jackson, shared his opinions on what they might be if he didn't make changes. And here's a few things that were on his list. Number one on his list was working so much at the expense of family and relationships. Number two was not standing up to bullies in school and in life. Jumping down to number six, he said another potential regret if he didn't make changes was worrying too much about what others thought of him. Number 12 on his list was the fear of allowing his marriage to break down. Number 13 was failing to take time to teach his children practical things. Number 17, he said, was primarily associating with people who led him in an unhealthy direction. And number 22 was not caring for his health while he had the chance. 
I thought it was a an interesting list to read through, even though it didn't necessarily come from a Christian perspective. But in light of what we see in this portion of Scripture, what do we learn? Christ reminds us that time is short. He reminds us that the day is almost over. But it isn't over yet. In the meantime, we're invited to do the work God has called us to in Christ Jesus. Something else that this passage brings out is that we're to keep trusting Jesus, even if he asks us to do something out of the ordinary. And who knows what the Lord might ask you or I to do at some point in our life. But in the midst of that, we're to keep trusting him. Look at what it says in verses 6 and 7. It says, Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. In the culture of the time, Jesus was doing something rather controversial by spitting on the ground and making mud by mixing the saliva and the dirt together and then taking it and spreading it on the blind man's eyes. The biggest area of contention would have been with the religious leaders who would have interpreted this healing miracle as a form of unlawful work because the Scripture tells us that Jesus did this on a Sabbath day. Now, we can see in some of the latter verses in this chapter that this infuriated them. Everything Jesus does has a point. Now, in this particular case, part of what Jesus was doing was helping to teach this blind man the nature of faith. In a sense, Jesus was testing him. You could typically tell what a person believes by observing the activity of their lives. If this man really did trust Jesus, he would obey the instructions Christ gave him. So with the kind of obedience that comes from genuine faith, the blind man made his way to the pool of Siloam and washed the mud that Jesus had smeared on his eyes off. And then miraculously... He came back seeing. What would you have done if you were this man? What would you do presently if Jesus made a request of you that seemed out of the ordinary or beneath your dignity? Would you say yes, or would you idolize what you think you can see and reject what he really wants to show you? I think that's something that the Lord invites us to wrestle with. But this scripture that we're looking at today concludes with an interesting thought. And it shows us here that Jesus will open your eyes to see all things in a new way. Look at verse 35 down to verse 41. This is what it says. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. There were real consequences for this man who trusted in Christ and obeyed him. He was excommunicated from the synagogue, but that shame was nothing compared to the joy of knowing and worshiping 
Christ. This man who had been blind could now see things, not only physically, but on a deeper spiritual level as well. He had come to know his Creator and Savior in a personal and permanent way. He would never see things the same again. Christ offers us the privilege to see things in a new way. Even though we're continually bombarded with messages and influences in this world that try to keep our hearts and our minds anchored in lesser things. I read a quote recently from John Piper that I want to share with you. It's from a sermon that he preached in 1982 that was called, He Will Send His Angels Before You. But this is what he said in that message. He said, Satan devotes himself 168 hours a week trying to deceive you and fill your mind with junk. He has seen to it that you are surrounded almost entirely by a Christless culture whose mood and entertainment and advertising and recreation and politics are shot through with lies about what you should feel and think and do. Do you think that in this atmosphere you can maintain a vigorous, powerful, free, renewed mind with a 10-minute glance at God's book once a day? The reason there are church people who are basically secular like everyone else, except with a religious veneer, is that they devote 99% of their time to absorbing the trajectories of the world and 1% of their time to absorbing the trajectories of God's Word. I thought that was a powerful quote and a very helpful reminder to me and all of us, I would hope. But through faith in Jesus Christ, we have been enabled to see things differently. We see this world differently. We can see our sources of discomfort and trouble in a new way. We can view the time we've been given from a new perspective. We can continue to trust Jesus even if he asks us to do something out of the ordinary, and we can cooperate with him instead of trying to resist him when he stretches us in new ways so that we can adopt his manner of seeing things as our manner of living. Let's pray. Lord, we're grateful for who you are and for the fact that you enable us to see things differently. Lord, just as the blind man in this portion of Scripture trusted in you, and you gave him not only physical sight, but true spiritual sight, as he began to recognize that you were indeed the one he should worship, his God, his Lord, his Savior. Lord, we pray that the same would be the case with us. Whether we could physically see or not, we pray, Lord, that by your grace that you would enable us to have spiritual sight where your eyes and your mind become our eyes and our mind, and we begin to view life on this earth from the perspective of our Lord and Savior. Lord, we're grateful for who you are. We're grateful for your love. We're grateful for your presence with us today. Thank you for renewing and transforming our minds. Help us, Lord, to walk with you, we pray. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for listening to this episode of the Informal Bible Study. As I mentioned at the start of this episode, I'm going to continue the offer that I made last week for anyone that picks up a Kindle edition of my newest devotional, The Desire Jesus One-Year Devotional. It's 374 pages long. It's honestly the longest book I've ever written. But if you pick up a, a Kindle edition of that this week on Amazon, and then take the time to leave a review for it, and then send me an email to bookreviews at johnstonge.com, I'll be happy to send you a free, signed 
paperback edition of the Desire Jesus devotional, and I'll get it out to you right away. I have copies of them right here with me at present, and I'll be very happy to keep the post office in business by sending one of those to you today. I do have to limit this offer to those living in the United States, so I sincerely apologize if you live elsewhere in this world. I am grateful that you listen to this podcast, however, wherever you may be listening from. But if you live here in the U.S. and you take the time to leave that review and then send me an email, I'll be happy to send a signed paperback copy to your mailing address. Just make sure to include it in the email that you send me. And all this information will be listed in the podcast description. But that's it for us today. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. And we look forward to catching up with you again right here next Monday. Take care. Looking for ways to stay positive? Brighten your day with the free Story Behind podcast. Hear weekly short stories that showcase true joy, love, and hope. Listen now at lifeaudio.com or by searching for Story Behind wherever you get your podcasts.